Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator, and once again, we are here in Alaska with the Alaska Roundtable, which is composed of Martha, the co-pilot, and Jeff, and his co-pilot, Alan. And we are here in uh, Anchorage after traveling just a few miles since we left you last month, because last month we left you in Haines, or was it Skagway? I think Haines. What's going on since Haines? A lot. A lot of cloudy oh, weather. Oh, this summer has been bad news, rain, and cold. Except in Fairbanks. Yes. Fairbanks was fair weather. Fair weather. We had great weather. So, uh, just a little bit about the itinerary. We finally, as you remember last time, made it to Alaska, and then we traveled south to Haines. And Haines and Skagway are kind of out of the way. They're towns that really should belong to Canada. Exactly. And you have to go across (laughs) the Canadian border and do all the Canadian stuff. But then you drive down there, and we took the ferry between the two cities, uh, which saved us a gazillion dollars. Which took 15 miles of ferrying versus 250 miles (laughs) worth of driving. An easy decision to be made. And then we have traveled north to Fairbanks, uh, which was about, uh, hmm, how far was that about? 400 miles? Uh, yeah, I think it took two two days, two and a half days to get up there. Uh-huh. And, and on the way, we passed the end of the Alcan Highway, the Alaska Highway. Oh, uh, yes. And oh, that yeah. is in Delta Junction. And then we have now come back south. And strangely enough, in this state, the further south you go, the colder <laughs> you get. When we watch the weather um, this summer, which has been unusually cold and rainy, the best temperatures yeah. often seem to occur north of the Arctic Circle. And we wish That's we really could true. get it's there. It's been sunny and warm in the 60s, and we have had a barely a day above 50. So these teeny tiny little towns that nobody but natives live in that you have to take a plane to or a boat to have had great <laughs> summer temperatures. We'll pause there for the, uh, the train the going through train. the middle of the RV park. Doesn't every RV park have a train? And this one is lucky because it's near an airport, too, so we get planes. And, and, and it's not just planes. There's oh, Air yeah, Force oh, jets. Air Force jets that fly over fairly low on a regular basis. Okay, so the but, trials and but tribulations. But to be, to be fair, we're glad that we're here because we're right in the middle of town, and we're very close to all, anything we would want to do in Anchorage. In Anchorage. So we have ended up here uh, in the last month, Then we have driven uh, actually not that many miles. Jeff, when was the last time we filled up with gas? Fairbanks. Um, we filled up in Fairbanks on yeah. our way out of there. Yeah. So we have filled up exactly once <laughs> since we left you. and But uh, to be fair, we're about to fill up again, and boy, are we happy about the fuel prices. They've gone down. We're actually seeing diesel below $4 again. Here in Alaska. Would yeah. you believe it? Can you? Can you un- oh, we never thought we'd say that. And so, you know, I guess this is one of those things that we should warn our listeners about. You don't pay attention to what the experts say about fuel prices and things. They don't know. Because they don't know. And uh, even here in Alaska, the prices are what I consider to be very reasonable. So we it's not that painful. Around. Oh, very it's often. painful when we... <laughs> I mean, it's not painful very often. Yes. So, how have the roads been? 
It's been a mixed bag. We had uh, yes. we had some pretty rough roads around. Uh, well, on the, uh, on the way to and out of Kenny Lake, yes. Kenny Lake Copper Center area, there there were a lot of a lot of frost heaves in there. I think overall, the roads have been better than what we were led yes, to expect. Yes, I would agree. And by bad roads, we don't mean um, that they're gravel or otherwise bad. They are these frost heaves, which are deceptive because you're going down the road at uh, a reasonable speed, and I think we usually go in the 55 range, that all of a sudden there will be a dip that you just plain didn't see, and boy, it can send you flying. Well, yeah, the, the the wheelbase of the RVs is such that you can get quite a rock out of it, <laughs> Where, whereas in a car, you might feel a, feel a little bit of a dip. With the RV, yeah, you... The whole car goes down, but the RV can... And the, on the airbags, it can bounce for several minutes after you've gone <laughs> over that. Bag. So it's good for one of us to be following the other because we see where the dips are. We can uh, hit the brakes before we hit the bad ones. And every so often we come across road crews who are working hard to remedy that. And um, they do a good job of organizing us. If it's a long one-way uh, stretch because they're working on the other lane, they lead us through with a tow car. Um, but it, we never have had to wait too long. And they have done a good job of trying to get things back smooth again. And there haven't been that many. I mean, overall, people talk about the bad roads in Alaska, but I have not really seen them. And, of course, now that we're in the Anchorage area, we actually saw a six-lane divided highway, which almost made us nervous. It was so huge with all that traffic on it. So how about the campgrounds? Can we recommend the campgrounds? The campgrounds have been good for uh, what we've paid, I think. and Which has been? Uh, 25 to $28 a night, I think. Yeah. Some, some less than that. I think they've ranged from $6 to $49. More in the range of 30 some odd dollars. 35 to 40 Yeah. Yeah, the, the highest is this one we're in right now, which is in Anchorage. In the big city. Yeah. And this is one of the crummier campgrounds we've been in. Yeah, you don't pay for a lot of space mm-hmm. or for a particularly pretty campground. Uh, you pay higher for ones that are closer to stuff to do. It is kind of ironic, considering how big Alaska is yes. and how much space there is, <laughs> that the campgrounds all crowd the sites in pretty close. Around the cities. No, and, and we're crowded in close with we're, each other, we're too. We're packed in here. Well, oh, here you mean, we oh. really are. Yeah. Yeah. But the one, the one we stayed at before this in Palmer wasn't really in a city uh-huh. and they had like plenty of room but the sites were still close yeah, together yeah yeah it seems like the the norm is a gravel parking, parking lot, lot with pedestals for utilities and maybe some grass yeah little patches of grass Even by and large i've been pleased by how the internet service has been in our campgrounds you feel like you're so off the beaten track here but we've been able to stay in good touch for the most part. If the campground doesn't have Internet, uh, some municipality is selling their Internet online for fairly reasonable cost uh-huh. and has given us good service. So we've been happy about that. And TV, this is the first time we've been able, well, ex- except for Fairbanks, since Fairbanks, that we've been able to get over the air TV. I was surprised there was no cable here. Yes, I was too. Many of the campgrounds, the private campgrounds, have cable TV. But uh, over the air is almost non-existent. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm I'm really missing the XM radio. Yes, XM that's another Sirius. thing that's that's kind of faded out. Right. 
But uh, data service on your cell phones? Well, data service is Cell phone here. service? Here. Yeah. Good, good data service here. here I won't here. do any rants about this at this time. <laughs> you already did. I would say I get a voice signal almost everywhere. When we left Valdez, I didn't have any service for about an hour because I was watching it then. And we have driven on some of the most beautiful roads in the United States, I would say. Although well, there have been times when we haven't been able to see <laughs> what there is to see. The yeah, roads. That's one disadvantage to the weather, the way the weather's been. That yeah. The low clouds. <clears throat> we've had, yeah, we've had a lot of low clouds hugging the tops of the mountains. So we're missing a lot of the peaks, uh, some of the valleys, uh, some of the glaciers, <laughs> and a lot of the blue sky. We're bummed. We're bummed. Yeah, but we're bummed. When you see the the pictures, uh, even the ones that you've taken of the of the mountains as we as we travel down these roads, as as you come from the interior and you go to one of the coastal cities, you have to go up and over a mountain range, and the stories behind these mountain ranges, uh, the the roads being built on the over the mountain ranges, is quite something, and when you are on the road, it is quite something. And as we went into Valdez, we went over a pass that was almost straight down for 2,000 feet to the sea. And this is, of course, the area where the pipeline was finished. And the poor guys who laid the pipe had to come straight down 2,000 feet just as we did. What an ordeal that was for them. So we were in Fairbanks for a very special reason. The solstice and the gold panners game. And what did you do on the solstice? Yeah, we watched a great baseball game. Well, we watched part of it. We watched part of it. You guys watched part of it. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> and why did we have to leave at the seventh inning stretch? Because we couldn't stop yawning. <laughs> yeah, because the game started at 1030. It's played without lights. Finished, played to finished, its conclusion after nine innings. Finished, finished at one thirty, <laughs> and the Gold Panners won. So this is a semi-pro league. Alaska More semi league. than pro. Well, but it was interesting, and. In well, and we were kind of surprised at the small stadium. People said, "Well, we bought our actually bought our tickets in advance." <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of uh, rumors and stuff we heard about how crowded it was going to be, and you got to get there early to get a seat, and blah blah blah. We actually went to the stadium before the game started. Way before. Way before, so we could kind yeah. of to plan our seating strategy and see what, how much is it going to cost us to park and stuff. Being city people, we kind of do these things. <laughs> And that, that turned out to be a very good deal because we we talked with a gentleman yep, yep. that uh, used to yep. be part of the Detroit Tigers organization and several other organizations, <laughs> ran a few teams, um, and was uh, was a marketing representative, I believe, for the, for the Gold, Gold Panners. Yep. And he uh, pointed us to these seats to the best that were seats he friends and family or, uh, area and talked with some other people and said, you should be able to sit here without having any problems. <laughs> and we'd, Actually, sitting in seats rather than bleachers. So we became yes. friends and family of the Gold but Banners. The, the stadium, they said the stadium seated 5,000, but... No way. No. No, no way. And even our hometown sta- stadium for our semi-pro league in Romeoville, Illinois, still gets... Uh, Maybe has at least ten thousand seats. I would say, yeah, easily. But there were people sitting in um, in lawn chairs behind <laughs> the outfield fence during the games. They they got they accommodated everybody. Yeah, I think, yeah. pretty well. So this was interesting because it was played on this solstice, and that was the longest uh, day of the year. And the sun set at twelve forty-five, and we got some pictures of that. And then it rose again we'll at like three fifteen. Three, yeah. I think. So, which so, means that after the sunset, there, it's still dusk, and then it ends up to be dawn, and then <laughs> the sun comes up. 
So, you so have there really was sunrise not, and sunset there really is no, It really is no nighttime. It no. is really the land of the midnight sun. We are still encountering that at this time. Um, even a month later, we're still getting. It's right. still light. It's still light out at eleven thirty at night. I think and, there's still um, like twenty one. Sun hours. comes up around four, I think. Yeah, yeah. four thirty something like that. So. We're expecting to have that for the rest of the summer, maybe. And that's actually been a, a blessing, I think. We we get a lot more done. So now we've we've had our windows shaded off uh-huh. with black fleece and felt. Oh. So now did you guys also shield your windows? We we went the cheap route and bought some poster board at Walmart, <laughs> which I just slide in and slide out because oh, I like to have idea. the light from the window during the day. Oh, that's a good idea. I just put my extra pillows up in front of the window. So this hasn't been much of a problem in terms of sleeping, for us anyway. No. Right. We haven't noticed it as being... But I, I it is interesting that you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or something, and it's... <laughs> and it's light out. <laughs> it's you don't stub bright. as many toes. <laughs> <laughs> so the other highlight in Fairbanks, at least for Jeff and I, oh. this time, and you two had done it before, oh. was thing called the Riverboat discovery the river doesn't look like it really is big enough for a riverboat but it is and uh the riverboat ride is also an introduction to the culture and people of fairbanks and it goes by sled dog uh-huh. Uh, ranch where you get to see the sled dogs pulling a wagon, which is really interesting. It is uh, really serious. That the the, I, the dog sled I did a rod type of culture up here is pretty amazing. Right, and it actually um, pretty much almost brought tears to my eyes because the dogs are all hooked up and they're like all kind of wild and barking and jumping all around. And the guy got into the wagon, and the second he released. The break, they're all <laughs> totally focused, focused and aligned yeah. and pulling that wagon. It's amazing, it right? Really and, amazing. and they're just so anxious to work. Yeah, they clearly are enjoying themselves. Yeah, right. They're, they're, yes, they're they're dogs with a purpose. And they get a lot of love from the mushers, which are the, what the drivers are called. And of course, if we wanted to come back in January, we could go to the Iditarod. Yeah, not <laughs> not. <laughs> I could not imagine what it'd be like up oh, here with they, only they, they tell two us the and a half hours of sunlight. It, well, and, and they keep and talking about fifty below, 50 below and sixty below, yeah. and, and then the people here. Then the wind chill on top of it. Oh. I do not have any coats that go down to that temperature. And I don't think any of us do. We don't have faces that go down to that temperature. And I mean, whew, the people really have to be bundled up, and we feel we have been in, in the cold. Yeah. So uh, part of our adventure was to go down to Skagway. Um, we took the ferry across to Haines, and then we drove up and around. Well, nice thing in Haines was our first views oh. of bald eagles, bald eagles. Oh, and yes. our first view of grizzlies. Mama oh, yes. Grizzly. I've seen them on the road. Right. Right. And that was really nice. And I, I felt like seeing the eagles was one of my bucket lists for coming uh-huh. to Alaska. So here we are just about in our first place, second place in Alaska. Check. Done. Bears, well, and we've check. seen eagles now in and, abundance. In well, a- then, we, then we saw fantastic eagles in Valdez right. because they were gathering because of the salmon in the... That we're running. So we went down to Valdez, and we, our intention to, in Valdez was to spend uh, two or three days there. And the 4th of July. But we spent actually nine days there. And why was that? We were waiting for the salmon run. <laughs> well, yes. We were on vacation from our vacation. <laughs> 
Well, we, we, not only did we have a great campsite. I With mean, a was, wonderful once view. Once again, a parking lot, but the parking lot had a view of the harbor entrance, which was fabulous. And there was so much activity going on as the boats gathered for the salmon fishing. and uh, Commercial the, salmon fishing. And there was a constant yeah. ebb and flow of commercial boats, occasional private boats. We saw a bunch of men who had a very good day catching halibut and were beaming with pride as they hung them all on the hooks before they cleaned them. Yeah, these 100-pound halibuts hanging up there. It's and, amazing. And we were right across from the terminal of the Alaska Pipeline. Right. And we could see the tankers come. She means across the bay. Across right. It was two bay. or three miles across the bay. Which they actually call the Valdez Port, Port Valdez, the bay. Yes. And this is one of the things about our itinerary, which is unique, is, is that because we are taking four months to do this trip, we only planned a couple of days in Valdez, but because of um, other factors, we decided we could spend nine days there. And we heard when we first got there, the salmon run was due any day. Day, right. And then any day. And we would go over to the hatchery, <laughs> which had a salmon run, and look in it each day to right. see, are they here right. yet? Right. Are they here yet? And then finally, there was a couple salmon in the run. And the next day there were a couple dozen in the run. And then there were thousands. Yes. And then there were and then the run was full of fish because they hadn't opened the top of the ladder yet to start taking them into the pens. So the the ladder was completely chocked full of salmon, plus they were all out waiting to get into the teeming, ladder. Totally teeming, like yes, bubbling. Very much so. The water was this boiling. Is a, this is a totally unique experience, and maybe you want to explain the life cycle of a salmon just briefly. Well, the salmon breed, spawn, in uh, lakes, freshwater. Uh, freshwater creeks. Well, in the stream. Creeks, yeah. Flowing rivers. Right, freshwater. And then they live there for, it, uh, depending on which breed of salmon it is, they live there a certain length of time, and then they go out to sea. And we learned from one of the workers at the hatchery, that they go as far as Japan uh-huh. while they're growing. And the pink salmon that were coming into Valdez when we were there um, are only two years old when they come back, and they're already grown to four pounds. So they're a pretty good-sized fish. So one of the things I think we learned is is that they are Alaska's doing a great job of really controlling the fishing and making sure that it's a sustainable resource. Right. Because it is one of their biggest industries. Right. It is the big, fishing is the biggest industry in Alaska. So the fish come back after the two years, and they, the most miraculous thing is they go right, right. to uh-huh. the same stream that they were born in. And if they were released from a hatchery, they go right up the ladder at the hatchery. So they can, the they can taste the fresh water from the stream they were born in. Yeah, I, I mean that's works. that's really Somehow what it has able to, to identify. It. identify yeah, it, it must yeah. be whatever know, they use, which is a totally amazing process, right? Yeah, every stream has its own signature scent or something, and so the salmon come back in in the millions, and so the hatcheries hatch the little salmon, they release them, and then at this time of year when the salmon are running, the, all the salmon come right back home again, and most of them are not needed to replenish the egg supply. So the hatchery harvests some of them, and then the rest are caught. And the way Valdez works, Port Valdez works, is that the commercial fishing is first open to recovery. 
And Ooh, yes. a few boats go out there to, you know, bring up the salmon in the nets. And the selling of those, the, the, what's uh, recovered from the selling of those, goes to pay the expenses of the hatchery. Right. And, and that's done before the port is open to the commercial fishing at large. So it's a very controlled process. And even when the fishery is open to commercial fishing, it's open for like 12 hours, and then they shut it down, and they assess the, the level of the fish, and then it's turned on again. And so we were there. Uh, we watched the fish gather, which was a several-day process. And then in the final day we were there, we actually watched the commercial fishermen going out and catching the fish. And because they have such a limited window of opportunity, the day we were there, I think they fished for 14 hours. Yes. Uh, it's kind of a frenzy of yes. boats oh, and nets. Over, yeah. And even though the harbor outside of LDs is huge, uh, the boats got in each other's way. And at times there wasn't anywhere for them to put out their nets because the whole fishing process was fun to watch as well. Yes. They call it purse seining. And each boat had a small um what do I call it? A little rowboat kind of a boat. Skiff. 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 That would pull the net out from the mothership. And it had buoys on one end, which kept that one end floating on the water. And on the other end, it had rings. And they made a big circle and made the circle smaller and smaller and gathered the, sh the fish toward the middle till they could capture them all. And then they pulled the string and sucked them all into the boat. Now, see what you can learn if you spend nine days in a place. <laughs> but one of the, you can bore your audience to death. <laughs> but one of the really spectacular oh, things she's got more. was, uh, we already briefly mentioned the fact that bald eagles, golden oh, eagles, yes. gathered to do some of their own fishing as well as Scavenging, sea. though. I don't think they fished. We never did see them yeah, actually they, fish. Yeah, they were scavenging, I think. Well, I think I think they were getting ones that got trapped on the rocks yeah, when the tide yeah, went yeah, out. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, best, I mean, yeah, that's best, scavenging. The best activity that we saw was during the time when the tide was going out. Yes. At any rate, and also sea lions. Yes. Huge seals. sea lions and seals. seals. Also uh, gathered. Harbor, harbor seals, yes. right. Yeah, the whole, the whole ecosystem revolves around these fish coming in, and we're hoping to see bear in the not-too-distant future. This is at the beginning of the run, so if you're coming to Alaska and you want to see fish run, you want to come towards the end of July, at least mid-July or later, and uh, sometime in, in August, because that's when the fish are really running. So this is a very much of a sustainable resource. Um, unlike Atlantic salmon, which are farmed, all of <laughs> these are farmed in a different way. I mean, they're released, but they come right back like... like uh, they have wild lives. They have wild lives, but they are hatchery f hatched, and and they are controlled and delicious. by the Alaska. Did we mention delicious? delicious? Well, we've had several different kinds of salmon, too, which is cool. Right. We've been and we have had salmon. something we don't usually get at home, and I think that's the red salmon. Yeah, they're especially good. Yeah. And uh, one day in the, in the campground in Valdez... There was somebody in the parking oh, lot saying, yes. I've got extra salmon. Anybody want a filet? And we raised our hands and said, yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. So a lot of the people come up here to fish, yeah. obviously. We're odd in that we don't. And yes, but we had a, we've had a very good time watching the fishermen and kind of sharing in their enthusiasm for what they're doing. And I think in the next month we're going to find it even even more so because there's going to be 
the the actual run is going to be in, in running big time here in the in the near future, and we're going to be very blasé about this. And we've been fortunate enough to be in a couple of places where they were having free salmon feasts. Oh yes, that's right. They did that in Haines while we were sponsored there. by the city. Yeah, and while we were in Valdez, they had one. They had the the Pink Salmon Festival where they had salmon printing <laughs> and uh, salmon printing and, oh yes uh, kids uh kids, car- salmon. kids carrying and throwing salmon <laughs> salmon feast that's what happens when you have too many salmon <laughs> <laughs> right and actually we got two free meals in Valdez because on the 4th of July they had a free hamburger yeah unlike other ports in Alaska, it seems like Valdez has a, a, a little bit of extra money because the oil pipeline ends there and the oil companies apparently support the city government somehow. Well, we've enjoyed Alaska for a couple of reasons in that regard. One is there's no sales tax and there's no, so you go into the store and they add up the The price is the price, just like in Europe. It's three ninety nine. you get a penny back. <laughs> there's, there's no extra tax for Uncle Sam. The, the, the local people have been very friendly to oh, us, yes. I think. very you have that small town kind of culture that we're not used to as urban people where everybody knows your name. And we should also mention that we spent a wonderful day um, from Valdez um, visiting some glaciers. We went out in Prince William Sound on a nine-hour boat trip, and we saw through the fog and the rain Columbia Glacier, which is receding rapidly, and the Mears Glacier, which is growing. I never did quite understand why that is, but it was neat to see them both. And the Mears Glacier did some calving while we were there. This is a real challenge to photograph because the sound travels so much slower than the sight. Uh-huh. And so by the time you would hear the calving, it already would have happened, and I had a hard time taking pictures of it. But it was fun to be there and see it. So, Ellen, you get seasick. Yeah, I didn't get seasick. The, the water was very calm very when calm. we took that trip. And I think that's quintessential Alaska inland waterway. I think for those people who might be a little bit apprehensive, uh, the, the catamaran was very smooth and very comfortable to ride in. Even though it was a cold day, we only went outside when, uh, when there were things to see. And they stopped and saw, we saw whales, we saw sea otters, we saw sea lions, we puffins. saw puffins, puffins, we saw all sorts of the sea animals. The, that, uh, the really nice tufted puffins where they have these like oh, ear me, feathers. Okay, so Ellen got another thing marked off her bucket list. She yes. got to see a whale tail. Yes, with the the whales were actually we saw diving. several of them. We saw oh, yes. a tail slap its tail. On Pretty much guaranteed, I think, on these trips at this time of year that you're going to see whales. And so we've become kind of blasé about this. But you know, if you're you're in the lower 48, you're saying, "Boy, these guys are complaining about cold. I wish it was cooler here," and they're getting blasé about seeing all sorts of animals on the side of the road. And yeah, I guess that's what happens. I don't know. Um, it's still a thrill to see, but uh, after a few of them, you just stop taking pictures. Well, that that got to be the case, definitely, of the bald eagles. Yes. So now, one place we haven't talked about yet um, is the Copper River Valley. Yes. And um, and part of the reason is because we talked about that fairly extensively on the last podcast. Oh, Our the one we did without you. Yeah, because, so, you, had, yeah, because you had your experience. Yeah, we had just we, done that we uh, just, that time. We just did a day's worth uh, going into McCarthy and Kennecott. And seeing that, and then driving back, and brought our All little, in one day. brought our little puppy dog with us, yes. and uh, he got quite worn out <laughs> <laughs> walking, sniffing everything in sight. So, how was your day? What'd you do? We had a great time because the weather the weather turned Finally. out to be great. Yeah. We had some what a had difference. some nice weather. Drove over some very bumpy road. Got the car quite dirty. 
got to see some very rugged downtown areas. <laughs> yeah, McCarthy is just a, a real one-horse town. It's, yeah, really. Although it's got cars, it's... It's, it's well, very, very memorable. Now you guys slept there. Yes. <laughs> but just seeing it, I mean it's dirt it's a dirt road in the town and it's wavy and bumpy. Yes. yes, oh absolutely. And there are I mean in the hotel, you know, we paid a lot of money and the hotel had no electricity in your room and no bathroom. It no was electricity not, in your room? Not like well, light. Well, it was a, a, a light bulb. No place to plug in anything. Oh, really? But we didn't notice that because it was light outside. <laughs> you don't need lights. So it didn't need electricity in the room. <laughs> Seeing the old copper mill was really, really great. And the Hearing glacier. About the lifestyle there. It's so interesting to go places, and this is true in quite a few places in Alaska, that they were vibrant and thriving. Yes. <laughs> in a period in the past, and now they're ghost towns or the, oh, ghost areas. You're right. That is interesting. There are a lot. Most places, I think, are like that, and probably even the towns we're in now will be ghost towns in well. <laughs> another 50 years. <laughs> but you're right. Places, that is these interesting. Places exist mostly now for their historical value and what tourist trade they get during the summer. Otherwise. They're, they're pretty much closed up in the winter. Yeah, because they were either part of the gold rush or, or the copper rush or... Mining of some mining sort. Mining or some yeah. sort of... Yeah, or fur trade or something. Or along the train, and now people go by the road, or uh, it's like different things like that. But we have seen some interesting roadhouses. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Oh. Roadhouses are a fairly common phenomena in Alaska, and it's kind of a, a small-ish community by itself, maybe you know, four or five houses. Well, it, it started out as a place for early travelers to eat and sleep, um, and they yes. were more closely spaced in the days when you couldn't get very far in a day on the road. But these days they become almost like a community center for anybody living within 20 miles, and you might go to a roadhouse to have coffee and a Danish, but they also might have a laundromat or a barber or the post office or any other things that the community might need. So it's much more than just a restaurant. You know, totally self-sustained. With a generator. With a generator, yeah, yeah. And uh, may have an RV park. It may have a few motel rooms. And as she said, they were usually spaced about every 10 miles down the road when they use stagecoaches and other modes of transportation to transport people. And one of the things that has been surprising to me is how many have been closed. Or burned down. (laughs) It's a real problem when you think about it. There's no fire department to call, and even if you do find someone to call, they're far away, and by the time (laughs) they get there to help you, your place has burned down. We stopped one day to eat lunch at a place that sounded very nice in our guidebook and it was a black hole in the ground because it was burned in In may May. (laughs) yeah very recently it had burned and that also makes me think about another issue that would trouble me if i lived here and that's the lack of availability of medical care and pharmacies uh we we heard a man talk yesterday who said if he fell off his roof and broke his leg he would have to fly for a hundred miles to uh the nearby hospital and if he had also injured his head and needed a brain scan or something like that, then he would have had to fly again onto Anchorage, which was the only place where he could get that kind of attention. Many of the towns we've been in have no pharmacies available at all. If you need any kind of medication, I guess you have to get it through the mail. And this is the only town that has wall, uh, Walgreens, Walgreens, and there are no CVSs in Alaska at all. 
just like and, Verizon. Right, and we when we were in Gagway, that they were having trouble getting enough people to work in the post office, and it was impacting the local delivery of mail, and it was mentioned specifically it was a problem because the only way people got uh, prescriptions was through the mail, and then they were getting delayed because they didn't couldn't get enough post office workers there. We haven't even been to the remotest villages. Not at all. Because we are, are driving. We're, yeah, driving. we're sticking to the ones you can get to by road. <laughs> there right. are many, many villages in Alaska that you can only fly to or get there by dog sled. So here in Anchorage, there is kind of a heritage park, which was very interesting. Very nicely done. To go to. Right. That was kind of like... Uh, the <laughs> Polynesian Culture Center in Honolulu. Okay. <laughs> yeah, very much like that. Because it brought together all the different cultures that are spread out across Alaska. And since Alaska is such a big state. each of them in detail. And when you think about it, it has a very varied climate. The people that live in the Panhandle, where it's um, moderate and it rains a lot, have a very different lifestyle and experience than those who live by the Arctic Circle. So they each had their own cultures to show to us. And I was impressed by how many of these natives lived under the ground in earthen yeah. homes well, because, there were no because there's no tree yeah. or anything else to build a, a home out of. And even then, you don't just dig a hole in the earth. You have to first melt the permafrost <laughs> so you could dig the hole in the earth. Oh, their lifestyle was so challenging. You really so, have to admire how they managed to stay alive. And several of the visitors uh, to the cultural center asked the question about do the native people still live in these kinds of homes? And the young people that were Giving uh, the tour, the tour yeah. were like, no, we like comfort. No. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we don't want to have permafrost. Really it's like, that was really a hard life, and now there's an alternative to live in modern housing. We do that. Yeah, but I don't have indoor plumbing. <laughs> Even yeah. This was the comment. Right. Uh, so, because it just know, freezes up over the winter. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the problem is Because exactly. the temperatures you're talking about for much of Alaska in the winter go down to minus 60 or minus 50. Yeah. It's, it's, I, we lived in Minnesota for four years, and minus 25 was plenty cold enough to me. I, mean, I, <laughs> I would say so. How much colder minus yeah. 50 or minus 60 And you is. can't shut off your engine, and everybody has the plug-in things. So right. you can, we talked about that last time, I think. And then add the darkness to right. it. Right. <sighs> it's a hard life. Okay, so the surprising thing to you in the last month. I think seeing the eagles come into Valdez to feed on the salmon was really surprising treat. To me, the surprise has been the weather. I did not expect so much rain and gray and darkness and cold. Uh, we have been to Alaska a number of times before in the summer, and while we'd have a cloudy or a rainy day here and there, it hasn't been incessant as it has been this summer. That's been disappointing. I don't know if this is so much surprising as delightful was uh, coming upon a mother grizzly and her four cubs oh, yeah. in uh, Valdez, outside of Valdez, on her way to the hatchery. That was fun because Just they driving were in her car. munching alongside the road, and uh, uh, they got a little bit startled when traffic came by, but she seemed to be doing okay with these four little ones following her. The one little runt that was uh, kind of tagging along behind, but... And I think for me, it's been uh, the fact that Alaska has been so big rig friendly. I mean, it, it truly has. It truly has. And we, I mean, campgrounds that that are run by the National Forest Service or 
you know, public agencies uh, welcome big rigs and uh, were easily accommodating. And uh, this has been, a, a, they have pull-throughs, and I guess it's because they've got so much space. I don't know. And rest areas and parking lots often Every, have designated areas for us right, to go right. where we won't get in anybody's way and they won't park us in so we can't get out again. Yeah. I think one of the things we noticed, too, is the huge number of Class Cs that are part of the rental fleet. And we have noticed everywhere. One of the things we've heard is, is that renting a, an RV here in Alaska is substantially less than it is in the lower 48 because of the competition. competition. And we noticed that this campground that we're staying at here in Anchorage actually rents RVs. And there have been people coming in in taxis, getting into an RV. And driving off <laughs> and for driving an adventure. Off. Right. We don't know where they came from, but probably the airport. And they're uh, heading off on their Alaska adventure right here uh, from the RV park. And so there are a lot of novice drivers on the road. So one more delight that I want to mention is the wildflowers. Oh. Which are really incredible along all the road. Not just dandelions? Not just dandelions. They have all sorts. dandelions here. But the wildflowers, it's not the state flower, but a very uh, prominent in the artwork is uh, the fireweed, and they're just starting to bloom. They're beautiful, tall and flowers. And the, the flowers overall, I mean, we were down in downtown Anchorage this afternoon. It they're, was a planted park. Where, yes, but where, still, the, the plantings were fabulous. This cold, damp weather uh, really makes the flowers bloom, and Alaskans love their flowers. They're everywhere. Yeah, since this is about the only month of the year that you'll probably be able to see them. <laughs> Uh, but of course, Martha bemoans the weather, but the cold, damp weather does keep the mosquitoes down, and that's another thing we've and noticed. And keeps us covered up. So I even, even have bought a bug zapper. Even if there is a mosquito around, there's very little skin for him to get. Because when the when the wind dies down and the weather warms up, whoa, the mosquitoes come out in mass, and they are hungry. All right, so uh, as we ended up here, what are we looking forward to? Uh, where are we going? What are we doing in the next month? We're headed to the Kenai Peninsula, which is the place where I think most people who come Very to famous. Alaska and just fly into Anchorage go because you can get to the bottom of the peninsula in 150 miles, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. Um, and it's Fishing capital of the world. And it's beautiful, just as the rest of Alaska is. Lots of mountains, lots, lots of, of glaciers, snow, rivers everywhere. Craggy Creek. You, can, you can't go wrong. Yes. And we're going to take a nine-hour ferry ride to Kodiak, where Jeff and I will be staying for the week in a bed and breakfast away from our motor home. Well, Ken and Martha... We'll be on a bear viewing adventure. Yeah, looking fish at slamming the, bears. Looking at the bears in the eat, gorging on salmon in the Cat no, in the Katmai? Yeah, uh, yeah Katmai National, National Park. Park. Well, this means, dear listener, that it is potentially possible that the next edition of the RV Navigator may be a little bit late because we are doing this right at the beginning of August. And uh, unless I am very on the ball, I will not have it uh, posted or maybe you won't have internet access. Either. I definitely won't have internet access. Yeah. This is, this is going to be the we're going to be an hour's flight from anything. So we have no cell, no electricity, no nothing. For totally off the grid. Right. So that'll be an interesting experience, and you're going to want to stay tuned to hear that next month. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to wrap this up, and we do very much thank our 
co-hosts, Jeff and Ellen, and uh, we're having a great time traveling with them, and it's a, a nice way to travel throughout Alaska. And we hope that you have enjoyed this episode and that you will join us again next, oh, in two weeks. This or is so. mid-month. Or so. And we'll, the four of us will see you again next month as we talk more about the Alaska adventure. See you later. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.